voice of the world The sound with the beat The sound that sets you tapping your feet Radio, the sound of year-round pleasure The sound of the news, rhythm and blues Tchaikovsky swing, whatever you choose Radio, the sound of year-round pleasure Welcome to All Things Radio, your weekly radio magazine with radio news from a national perspective, call-in and format changes, sports news, featured radio stations from yesterday and today, your voicemails and phone calls, as well as special guests and featured segments. And now here's your host, Bill Sparks. Educate, syncopate, radio communicate, radio, the sound of year-round pleasure. Hello, everybody. I'm Jeff Bennett sitting in for Bill Sparks for this week's edition of All Things Radio Live. There are problems with power in um, Naples, Florida, and Bill has no power, and so we're going to record this. And uh, we have our usual panel. We have Bernie Egan, we have Harry Lester, and we have Gary Keedler. Chris and Sean are off for tonight. First of all, we'd like to wish everyone a very happy Easter for those who celebrate Easter and a very happy Passover for those who celebrate Passover. We'll start things off with our radio news from a national perspective. We'll follow it up with Jennifer Sparks' call letter and format changes. And we have a special feature with Marty Brenneman talking about the late Tom Browning, player for the Cincinnati Reds. After that feature, I put together a feature on Gordon Sinclair, who was a news reporter and a news commentator for radio station CFRB AM in Toronto, Ontario. This broadcast took place on August 7th, 1974. Our classic air check this week takes us to Portland, Maine, and we're going to hear Wally Bryan on radio station WJBQFM. Uh, from 1979, April 25th, 1979, to be exact. And then we'll follow it up with our featured station, and that's WYNZ-FM from South Portland, Maine, with their Variety Hits format. All in all, I think we have a very busy show. Let's start things off with our radio news from a national perspective. I'm Jeff Bennett for All Things Radio, and here's what's happening in the world of broadcasting. Layoffs hit iHeartRadio and Salem Media. A 30-year veteran says so long to Odyssey. We'll let you know what's happening on the street and conclude our look at the Nielsen February Personal People Meter ratings. It was yet another busy week this week in the world of broadcasting, and it sounds like a broken record. Every week I seem to say the word layoff, 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 or job cutback. Well, that continues in the radio industry, this time with iHeartMedia and Salem Media. We told you a few weeks ago that iHeartMedia was going to be making some cutbacks, and they were definitely cutting back on discretionary spending. And the word layoff is definitely in iHeart's vocabulary, as they made layoffs in a number of radio markets. Now, we don't know all the layoffs that have occurred with iHeartMedia, only the ones that have been released by the individuals themselves who have gotten laid off. In Chicago, Illinois, Johnny D. Glover, program director of radio station WGCI-FM with their hip-hop format, and radio station WVAZ-FM with their urban adult contemporary format. Commenting on this situation, Johnny D. Glover says that his position was eliminated he had been with the company since 2015. Also out in Chicago is Dave Kaiser, who is the vice president of sales for the company. He had been with the company for six years, having come to Chicago after working for iHeartMedia in Dallas, Texas. In Rochester, New York, radio station WAIO-FM, transmitting on a frequency of 95.1, broadcasts a talk format. Out are their afternoon drive talk personalities Jeff and Rich. They had been with the radio station for about a year, but that's all gone. The talk show has been replaced with reruns of Rover's Morning Glory, which comes out of Cleveland, Ohio. In Tampa 
of Florida. We said goodbye to Jack Harris, who hosted mornings on radio station WFLA AM that transmits on a frequency of 970, as well as two FM translators that help serve the Tampa, Florida area. Jack Harris has been a fixture in the Tampa radio market for over 53 years, and he says it was regrettable that he wasn't able to say goodbye. He says that he doesn't understand why he was laid off because he took a major salary cut to continue doing mornings at radio station WFLA AM. Finally, in Detroit, Michigan, we said so long to Spike part of the Mojo in the Morning team at radio station WKQIFM. Spike had been with the morning show for 23 years. Now let's move to Salem Media, which also made a round of layoffs this past week. The layoffs affected 3% of Salem's employees. Only a few employees have let it be known that they were laid off. Jim Bardo was the director of satellite operations for the company. He was laid off. And in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Ted Winkler, chief operator for radio stations WFIL AM and WNTP AM, was also laid off. Now let's take a quick look and find out what's happening on the street. After 33 years, Todd Cavada has said so long to Odyssey and radio station WBBM-FM in Chicago, Illinois. He came to the radio station in 1990, eventually rising to program director of the radio station and director of programming for CBS Radio in Chicago, Illinois. He says after 33 years, it's time to move on and he's going to retire. He says he's not out of radio, but he's going to take time off to spend time with his wife and family, and he'll be looking for his next radio position. In Seattle, Washington, KPNW has begun hiring staff for its new alternative rock formatted radio station. The station is owned and operated by Hubbard, and they've just hired John Fisher to handle middays for the radio station. John Fisher comes to this radio station after most recently working at radio station KSWD-FM, owned and operated by Odyssey, also in Seattle, Washington. Congratulations go out to Amy Brooks, who's the new evening personality at radio station WRIF-FM in Detroit, Michigan. WRIF-FM is owned and operated by Beasley Media, which promoted from within. Amy Brooks was originally doing weekends for the radio station. Artificial intelligence in radio is certainly not disappearing. Super Hi-Fi and IO Labs are working together to produce artificial intelligent radio formats for radio stations. You can go to either the Super Hi-Fi website or the 11labs.io website to hear what the new format sounds like. Finally, iHeartMedia's syndicated morning show The Breakfast Club is headed for TV. Starting on April 17th, you can watch an hour of The Breakfast Club morning show on both VH1 and BET television. Now it's time to conclude our look at the Nielsen February Personal People Media Ratings. In Charlotte, North Carolina, the number one ranked radio station is WBAV-FM with an urban adult contemporary format. The number two ranked radio station is WKQC-FM with an adult contemporary format. And finally, the number three ranked radio station in Charlotte, North Carolina is WSOC-FM with a country format. In Portland, Oregon, the number one ranked radio station is KLTH-FM with a classic its format. The number two ranked radio station is KKCW-FM with an adult contemporary format. And finally, the number three ranked radio station in Portland, Oregon is KLPB-FM with a news talk format. In San Antonio, Texas, the number one ranked radio station is KONO-FM with a classic its format. The number two ranked radio station is KAJA-FM with a country format. And finally, the number three ranked radio station in San Antonio, Texas is KTKX-FM with a classic rock format. In Salt Lake City, Utah, the number one ranked radio station is KSFI-FM with an adult contemporary format. The number two ranked radio station is KODJ-FM with a classic its format. And finally, the number three ranked radio station in Salt Lake City, Utah is KBZN-FM with a hot adult contemporary format. In Sacramento, California, the number one ranked radio station is KFBK-AM with a news talk format. 
The number two-ranked radio station is KSEG-FM with a classic rock format. And finally, the number three-ranked radio station in Sacramento, California is KNCI-FM with a country format. In Orlando, Florida, the number one-ranked radio station is WMGF-FM with an adult contemporary format. The number two-ranked radio station is WWKA-FM with a country format. And finally, the number three-ranked radio station in Orlando, Florida is WXXL-FM with a pop CHR format. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania... Things are status quo with the number one, two, and three ranked radio stations. The number one ranked radio station is WWSWFM with a classic its format. The number two ranked radio station is WRRKFM with an adult its format. And finally, the number three ranked radio station in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is WDVEFM with a rock format. In Las Vegas, Nevada, the number one ranked radio station is KSNEFM with an adult contemporary format. The number two ranked radio station is KKLZFM with a classic hits format, and finally, the number three-rack radio station in Las Vegas, Nevada, is KWID-FM, with a Spanish adult hits format. In Cincinnati, Ohio, the number one-rack radio station is WLWAM, with a news talk format. The number two-rack radio station is WGRR-FM, with a classic hits format, and finally, the number three-rack radio station in Cincinnati, Ohio, is WKRQ-FM, with a hot adult contemporary format. In Kansas City, Missouri, the number one-ranked radio station is KCFX-FM with a classic rock format. The number two-ranked radio station is KCMO-FM with a classic hits format. And finally, the number three-ranked radio station in Kansas City, Missouri is KMXV-FM with a pop CHR format. In Cleveland, Ohio, the number one-ranked radio station is WMJI-FM with a classic hits format. The number two-ranked radio station is WZAK-FM with an limited local temporary format. Finally, the number three-ranked radio station in Cleveland, Ohio is WNCX-FM with a classic rock format. In Columbus, Ohio, the number one-ranked radio station is WCOL-FM with a country format. The number two-ranked radio station is WOSU-FM with a news talk format. And finally, the number three-ranked radio station in Columbus, Ohio, also broadcasting a news talk format, is WTVN-AM. In Austin, Texas, the number one-ranked radio station is KBPA-FM with an adult its format. The number two-ranked radio station is KKMJ-FM with an adult contemporary format. And finally, the number three-ranked radio station in Austin, Texas, is KVET-FM, broadcasting a country format. Finally, in Indianapolis, Indiana, the number one-ranked radio station is WJJK-FM with a classic its format. The number two-ranked radio station is WYXB-FM with an adult contemporary format. Finally, the number three-ranked radio station in Indianapolis, Indiana is WIBC-FM with a news talk format. Finally, when was the last time you heard two females hosting a Top 40 show in the afternoons on a radio station? Well, if you live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you could listen to radio station KZIA-FM and hear those two girls in the afternoon, Taylor Martinson and Stephanie Loney. And we'll provide you with an air check of this radio show in next week's All Things Radio Live broadcast. If you have any comments concerning this portion of the podcast, there are many ways you can get in touch with me. First of all, you can send me an email. My email address is Jeff. That's J-E-F-F Jeff at allthingsradio.net. Or you can send me a voicemail with our feedback line. The phone number is 800-693-0595. That's 800-693-0595. And hit option two for the podcast team. For all things radio, I'm Jeff Bennett. Okay, Bernie, I just wanted to talk about the layoffs in the industry of radio. And I see it all the time. And I was talking to a friend of mine who works at WTRY. And she said to me, I don't know how they could lay off any war people here in, in Albany, New York, because we're down to a staff of no one. Uh, there's only one live radio announcer doing mornings on WTRY AFM, I should say, and it's all voice tracked for the rest of the, of the day, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you can't cut more than that, really, can you? Not exactly. And the thing is, a lot of those voice tracked voices you're hearing are not even from there. They're from all over the country. So, And it's funny because 
you can walk through these buildings that used to house lots and lots of people because it's not just air people who are losing their jobs. And so you've got empty, <laughs> it's, it's cavernous in these radio stations. It is. I, I, I was talking to someone years ago at WLAC in Nashville, Tennessee, and they and they said the parking lot isn't even full anymore. There's no cars in the parking lot with all the people that they have laid off. So I think uh, and 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 we can talk about chat GPT and artificial intelligence. And I've heard I've heard the formats. I've heard the demos of the formats. And until they make those uh, and they can. But until they and, until they make those in announcer and until they make those announcers sound like radio announcers. Uh, and, and make it sound more natural. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Right. That, that, that's that's well, certainly. And I I sent you uh, an air check of me uh, doing the Friday night retro show, and I would love for people to hear it. Just not not because it's me, but it's it's all voice tracked, and I, I want people to hear how it can really sound and how it can really work because it's pretty good. I have it, and I will definitely put it on. Uh, I, I didn't know exactly when to put it on, but I'll definitely be putting it on, Bernie. Oh, whenever you want. All right. How about if we continue our show with uh, Jennifer Sparks' call letter and format changes? Hello, everyone. I'm Jennifer Sparks, and here are your call letter and format changes for the week of April 6th. WYRD FM 106.3, Simpsonville, South Carolina, changes calls to WSPA FM and changes format from talk to adult contemporary and changes slogan from news radio word to magic 106.3 WSPA FM 98.9 Spartanburg South Carolina changes calls to WYRD FM and changes format from adult contemporary to talk and changes slogan from Magic 98.9 to 98.9 Word. WNOU FM 107.7 Sasser, Georgia changes slogan from Mix 107.7 to 107.7 Now FM. WALY FM 100.1 Altoona, Pennsylvania changes slogan from Hot 100 to Wally 100.1 WCJX FM 106.5 Five Points Florida changes slogan from 106.5 the X to 106.5 the Lake WEAI FM 107.1 Linville Illinois changes slogan from 107.1 the eagle to weai 107.1 fm wfbgam 1290 altoona pennsylvania changes slogan from big 1290 to pop 104.5 wnfb fm 94.3 lake city florida changes slogan from mix 94.3 to 94.3 The Lake, WQWY FM, 103.9 Bellwood, Pennsylvania, changes slogan from Wally, 103.9 to Wowie, 97.7, WTNA AM, 1430, Altoona, Pennsylvania, changes slogan from Tuna, 1430 to Wowie, 97.7, 101.7, 103, 105.7. 
WKIH FM 90.3, Medallia, Georgia, changes city of license to Twin City, Georgia. WTSL AM 1400, Hanover, New Hampshire, changes slogan from Hot 97 to 97.5 and 101.7, The Penguin. KVOB FM 95.5, Lindsborg, Kansas. Changes calls to KLBG FM. Those are your call letter and format changes for this week for All Things Radio. I'm Jennifer Sparks, wishing all of you a very good week. All right. Thank you very much, Jennifer. Again, not a lot going on in the world of format changes except for stuff going on in Altoona, Pennsylvania, where a radio ownership change has caused changes to a number of the radio stations in that area of Pennsylvania. Perry, tell me a little bit about Marty Brenneman and the interview guests we're going to have. Can you Do you know anything about... Uh... I, I, yeah, Marty Brenneman, of course, the longtime voice of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, Tom Browning pitched a no-hitter really for the Reds. He pitched a no-hitter, and uh, he was a good pitcher. And uh, we certainly, uh, you know... Those of us who follow baseball would certainly remember the name Tom Browning and hit his career. So I think uh, people will really enjoy hearing uh, Marty Brenneman and and the uh, Tom Browning feature. Um, I want to talk about Tom Browning. Yeah, you just saw it a couple of days ago. I saw you him. Thought Saturday. he looked great, yeah. right? Tom, when when Amanda and I went to his wife Debbie's funeral visitation back in March. And he looked as bad as I have ever seen him in the almost 40 years that I've known the man. Uh, he had lost a, a woeful amount of weight. He, uh, his skin coloring was bad. He just looked terrible. And then when I see, and I've seen him a number of times since then, but I've never paid a whole lot of attention because the transformation, for want of a better term, was gradual. So I see him Saturday down at the Reds Hall of Fame. He was there with two of his grandchildren. He looked the epitome of good health. He had put on weight. Uh, he had not put on an overly large amount of weight to, to look obese or semi-obese or whatever the case might be. His color was good. And I told him, he looked so good. I told him, I said, Tom, I cannot ever remember seeing you when you looked as good as you looked at. And we talked and we talked about going out to the Reds fantasy camp. He goes, the man and I are going to go this year for the second time. And, and looking forward to that. Um, he just seemed very optimistic and he looked healthy. And then in less than 48 hours, he has left us. And, and it was, it was really hard for me to accept it. When I found out on Monday, um, I turned down all TV interviews because emotionally I could not do it. Um, I, uh, I, I have, I don't remember anything affecting me like that in the recent years and, and, uh, to know that he's gone um is is sometimes hard for me to accept and i think that's a reason why i was i was so emotionally caught up in the tragic news that, that came out on monday afternoon about tom passing you know we had uh, both paul doherty and tracy jones on yesterday sharing uh some of their thoughts and memories about tom browning while no one would ever go as far uh as to say that that, that anybody could compare with uh joe nuxall you know it, for no other reason he born and raised right down the street from where our studios are here right here in hamilton ohio uh but you know i i, I put sean casey and tom browning in that net category where if they weren't joe nuxall they weren't all that far behind as far as their popularity with the fan and the way they treated people and the way they carried themselves uh, day in and day out no matter who you were no matter what you did 
Well, I mean, you just summed it up. Uh, there were so many uh, characteristics that you could parallel one to the other. Uh, and, you know, on top of that, when Tom played, uh, the, he was not any closer to a teammate uh, that he was with Joe. He and Joe were just very, very close. Um, and, and all the attributes that Joe exuded over low the many years that he was so beloved in this town, Tom had many of the same ones. Uh, great storyteller, uh, very approachable, never saw anyone uh, reluctant to approach him because they knew the type of person that he was when it came along with fans. Never heard anybody say anything negative about Tom Brown. And uh, by, by any of the baseball fans that, that watched him pitch. And, and the other thing that I think needs to be pointed out about his popularity, Tom, is that he's not one of these guys that spend his career here. Uh, he and, and except for a couple of games with the Kansas City Royals at the end of his career, essentially his entire uh, run at, as a Major League Baseball player, with that one minor exception, was spent here in Cincinnati. He didn't leave and go to California or go to Florida or go to some warm weather place and live. He stayed here. And for this town, as provincial a town as there is in the United States, that's that was important to people. I think it was important to people without even articulating it. The fact that they knew that Tom Browning lived in Northern Kentucky and that Tom Browning stayed here after he stopped playing baseball and he was out and about and people would see him at Kroger, they would see him at the UDF store, they would see him at the service station, uh, at the drug stores, whatever the case might be, Tom Browning was always around. And, and I think that played a big part in the fact that um, he was one of the most loved players to ever put on a Cincinnati uniform. And I think it's coming uh, to the forefront uh, bigger than ever right now in, in light of his tragic passing. I want to ask you about a couple of the, the moments in his career, both on the field and, and then to some extent off the field. Uh, he obviously was tagged with the nickname Mr. Perfect through the only perfect game in the history of the franchise. You were on the mic that night on Friday night against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Joe Nuxall was still with us back in those days. Um, you know, what do you remember most about that night? Well, I think the most, the, other than the fact that, you know, he does something that only 22 other pitchers have ever done, um, I, I remember the long rain delay uh, and the fact that the game didn't get underway until I think 10, 15, 10, 18, something like that. Um, and then the game took less than uh, two hours uh, because, and also I think overlooking the game was the fact that Tim Belcher was brilliant. I mean, he wasn't perfectly brilliant, but he, he gave up one run. It was a one nothing final score. And the only run that the Reds scored was an unearned run as a result of a throwing error. And I also remember the fact that I don't know that, but there was maybe one ball hit the entire night off Tom that when it left the bat, you instantaneously thought, well, that's got a chance to break it up. Uh, also, the fact that when you speak about perfect games, you know, you, you think about people like Nolan Ryan, who had seven of them. You think about uh, Sandy Koufax. Uh, I, well, Ryan had seven no hitters, but uh, and 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 uh, and Koufax Randy had Johnson, five. And, I was there for one. Yeah, game Randy. One, you yeah. think about guys that threw ninety-five to hundred miles an hour. Tom Browning, at his best, would maybe throw ninety or ninety-one. But there was never a pitcher any better, uh, including the master of all masters, Greg Maddox, that knew the art of pitching and what it took in order to be successful when you don't have an overpowering pitch to put people away. And he was never better than he was that night. He worked very quickly, which he always did. Um, he, he pitched a contact because he knew he wasn't a strikeout pitcher. 
And it was just a brilliant performance. And, you know, given the fact that he wasn't a power pitcher, ironically, the 27th and final out was he struck out Tracy Woodson swinging on a pitch up and in. Um, you know, it, it was a highlight for me. I think any broadcaster that has the right, has the privilege and honor of broadcasting a perfect game realizes that, you know, they don't come along every day. As I said, only 23 pitchers in the history of, of baseball have, have pitched perfect games. And so it, it, was, a, it was a memorable night uh, for everyone there. And I think it, the one thing that we'll never be able to document is the number of people who said, who will say today, just like the number of people uh, and with the passing of years, there are not a whole lot of them still around, but those used to say, you know, I was there when Joe Nuxall uh, became the youngest player in the history of baseball when he broke in against the Cardinals at 15 years old. And there are those who say, well, I was there that night when Browning pitched a perfect game. There might've been a lot of people who were there when the game was supposed to start and then left in the two hour plus uh, delay before it finally got underway. But the fact of the matter is, uh, it was a great night. Uh, I don't know that there was a player on that team that wasn't just out of their mind with, with thrills over the fact that, <laughs> excuse me, Tom Browning was a guy uh, that got a perfect game because he was such a popular member of that baseball team. Another moment was when you're broadcasting the World Series in 1990, and you mentioned his wife, Dip, uh, and all of a sudden, walk us through what happened that night. Well, you know, that was the night that uh, <clears throat> the Reds came back and tied that game up late. Uh, and what we didn't know until the story came out was that uh, Tom, who was scheduled to pitch game three, which after the off day the next day was going to resume in Oakland, um, and Pinella had sent him home uh, or sent him to the hospital when the when the club got word that Dave, Debbie had left home and gone into labor, was headed to the hospital. Um, Lou Pinella told Tom, go ahead, we're not going to need you tonight because you're pitching game three. And, and so Tom left the ballpark and, and went to the hospital. In the meantime, you know, the Reds came back, tied it up, and the, then the game now, the game is going to go into extra innings. And I think Lou panicked a little bit because then the realization hit him that if this game goes too many innings, I'm going to have no choice but to pitch Tom Brown. So we're in the broadcast booth, Joe and I, and a call comes up and uh, Dave Armbruster, our engineer, uh, says, hey, we just got a call from the clubhouse. Lou wants you to put out an appeal to get Tom Browning back to the ballpark. Well, I don't know about Debbie going into labor and, and we're trying to factor all of this information in because the initial thought I had was this is a phony deal here. Uh, somebody's trying to play a prank on us. And, and then I find out Debbie's been going to the hospital to have the baby and Tom was allowed to go home. So then we realized it and we put the plea out on, on the air uh, to, for Tom to return to the ballpark as quickly as he could. Uh, I, sometime back, I watched uh, part of that game uh, on a DVD and it was interesting because Tim McCarver was working the, the World Series and he, he announced on uh, network television, he said, Marty Brenneman, uh, one of the broadcasters uh, for the Cincinnati Reds has just sent out this strange plea uh, to get Tom Browning back to the ballpark. He said, we're trying to, to find out exactly what the, the particulars are on this, but we know that that has occurred on the Reds radio network. Well, Tom got the message and uh, immediately turned around and, and started back to the ballpark. And, you know, before he got back, Joe Oliver had the base hit off of uh, Dennis Eckersley that uh, scored Billy Bates from second, and the Reds win that game in extra innings. But it, it was one of the most bizarre things that I've ever seen. And uh, it was a nice memory to think back on, uh, especially because of the Reds were able to come back and win that game.
You know, the, the, the third and final one I want to ask you about that so many people, I, I, we were in here yesterday looking at the picture that was posted, uh, a still picture, color photo, uh, a Browning sitting there uh, out on Sheffield on a rooftop uh, during a Reds game. Obviously, he was not pitching a game. Uh, and it's one of those moments that on so many levels, you are never going to see anything like it again in baseball. I mean, m- maybe as rare as a guy throwing a perfect game, maybe more rare. The fact that, yes. that he went out there, those rooftops have become so corporate now, uh, you can't even watch the games barely from half of them anymore. Uh, y- do you remember the moment you actually saw him up there and you were thinking what? Well, I didn't see it. Joe saw it. Um, I was doing the play-by-play, so my my uh, attention was uh, uh, confined basically to what was going on down on the field. And Joe saw him sitting out there and 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 called my attention to it on the air. And I look up to beyond right field and see him sitting with his legs hanging over the ledge of the, uh, the rooftop. And I, I, I don't know that I was able to uh, accept it in my mind that what I'm looking at is real. And then we realized that it was Browning. Initially, you couldn't really tell, but then when you look after a few seconds, you realize who it is. Um, and I was stunned. I, and I'm sure everybody else was too. And and then, you know, uh, the Reds players were looking out from, you know, the first base dugouts and visiting dugout at Wrigley Field and were looking out and up into uh, the top of the building and seeing Tom there with a smile on his face, surrounded by, I would assume, Cubs fans. Uh, that was bizarre moment number two uh, as it related to Tom Browning. Uh, you know, Tom's thinking there, the club was not playing well. And, and uh, you know, the Cubs were not a very good ball club back then. And and, and he, he felt that there was something that needed to be done to shake that team up, to get them to loosen up a little bit. Um, and they did start playing better baseball uh, after that happened. But Davey Johnson was manager of the club, and Davey was not happy at all about it. Uh, I think Tom was fine uh, for it, and uh, uh, Davey was a little bit bent out of shape. That He, he thought it was unprofessional. Uh, I don't know that under the circumstances it was that dastardly, if you will, um, but it was a memorable moment, and I'm sure that there were Cub fans and there were uh, those of you sitting in the Chicago Cubs broadcast booth, as you were that day, um, that saw the moment and will never forget it. It was amazing. Yeah, it really was. Uh, maybe I haven't asked you, and I, I guess I'll ask you now. I mean, maybe there's something that, that that's not the rooftop. It's not the perfect game. That's not whatever. That, that for you stands out or that you remember most about Tom Browning. And that could be, you know, uh, uh, something on the field. It could be something that you saw at a, at a Reds Fest or with a fan or on the road, whatever it might be. It was on the field, and it epitomized what Tom Browning as a competitor was all about. And that was a day in San Francisco yep. at Candlestick Park when he was pitching and pitching with a lead. And he was batting with a runner at first base. I don't know who it was that opened the inning by reaching. Browning's job was to get him over with a bunt. And he squared around a bunt and fouled the ball off, and it hit him right there, right below his lower lip in that little crevice there, I think it was, between the chin and that, that, that area of skin leading up to your lower lip and split him wide open. Time was called. And uh, I don't even remember what year it was, so I, I can't recall who the manager was, but whoever it was came out there and said, we got to get you out of here. And he said, there's no way in hell I'll come out of this game. Yeah, I got the lead. 
I am not coming out. A doctor came out of the stands and sewed him up, lying down on the grass behind home plate at Candlestick Park, and the doctor stitched him up, and he went back out into the game and got the win. Never yeah, saw know, anything you, like that before. Never will again. You know, it's funny you bring that up. And I, I, I said to Trey Jones yesterday when he remembered that moment. I, I, you know, I was doing the Red Games on TV at the time. I think it was '88. We were not doing that game. And the guy that I heard that story from, and it just goes to show you what the impression you make on guys you play against. Bob Brenly was the catcher for the Giants. And he's right there behind home plate when this happened. Yeah. And, and when the lip is split, chin split, he's thinking, Brenly was one of the all-time tough guys, as we know. Yeah. Uh, and he's thinking to himself, you have got to be kidding. This guy's going to stay in the game and pitch him up right here on the field and not leave in the right. game. He said he said to this day like you, he says, never seen anything like it. Never. Uh, and and it, like I said, if there needs to be one example of what Tom Browning, the competitor, was all about, that was it. Because I've never heard of anybody having that situation even remotely similar to it. Uh, you automatically uh, operate under the assumption that when something like that happens, you're going out of the game. And they're going to get a relief pitcher in there to continue, not with Browning on the mound. Not happen. Was not happen. Well, before I let you go, uh, your grandson, uh, not Luke Brenneman, uh, but Aiden Shirley, he's out of school today. And he promised yes. me that he was going to be watching the show today, and he is actually in our chat letting everybody know that he is watching you right now. Well, he is a very fine young man. Uh, I'm blessed with having great-grandchildren. Every one of them I have, I, uh, with great prejudice, I label as great. And, and he's the youngest of them all. Uh, <clears throat> he might be the most articulate of them all. Uh, he's not short on vocabulary at his age. Uh, he makes great grades like Luke Brenneman does. And, uh, and I'm, Ella Brenneman. I'm very, and Ella Brenneman both. Ella's yeah. a sophomore at TCU, and we don't know where Luke's going to go to college yet. He's already been accepted at TCU in Indiana, uh, so he'll have a decision to make. But but Aiden is a very special young man who uh, I'm, I know is, a, is a, the pride of, of James and Ashley, his parents, and uh, he's a great kid. And I know we had, we had a great time with him last night, especially Luke, who loves to take little kids like that and really get them wound up, which he's very good at. Well, I, I think you're also uh, find a way to get it wound up. You were you were you were jabbing. <laughs> Tom, can I make one point? Of, of course. I mean, this is this is the Marty the, Brenneman show. When you come, on. this is about Tom Browning, and I we found this out this morning. The, the Reds have erected a. Hang on, Dad, Dad, Dad. Let me interrupt you. You're getting a phone call that's down and sign it. The banner will be Dad, up Dad, between. Dad, hang on, hang on. Start over again with that because your phone started buzzing and it cut off your microphone. Start oh, this over again. We they, want to hear it. Yeah, the Reds, the Reds announced that they have erected a banner at the front gate at uh, Great American Ballpark uh, to the uh, a tribute to the memory of Tom Browning, and they are inviting fans beginning right now through the holidays. It'll be up until January the fifth to come down and sign the banner. Uh, any and all that want to come by at any time beginning now through uh, uh, up until January the 5th, that banner will then be erected uh, in the Reds Hall of Fame and hang for a, a, a good period of time. Uh, it's an opportunity for fans to show what they think uh, they thought about Tom and, and, and honor his memory by signing this banner. So that's up there now uh, at the front gate of Great American Ballpark, and there will be people there to help you to sh if you can't find it to sign that banner and honor Tom's memory. Next, we're going to talk about Gordon Sinclair. How many people have yeah, before ever— Before we do that, though, I just have to say that no one 
said your news was award-winning this week. And no, <laughs> because it's really not award-winning. I just want to say, it is award-winning. And Jeff, before we go to, to Gordon Sinclair, too, speaking of the Reds, a lot of people, I've talked to a few people this week who have had trouble this week streaming the Reds. And technically, I believe it's a 75-mile radius in which you're supposed to be able to stream the games. Um, you could try the iHeart app. Maybe that would be different. But the Reds have usually been pretty good about it. But I think the technical definition is 75 miles. Yes, and unfortunately, it's all about money, as uh, Pink Floyd said in its song back uh, in 1973. Money, money, money. And that's that's really the whole point of uh, what's going on here, because it didn't used to be that way. Now with the news and his comments, here's Gordon Sinclair. Canada's new parliament has not yet assembled, therefore it has no speaker, but Prime Minister Trudeau mentioned this afternoon that he will nominate James Jerome, and that is equal to being chosen. Since Trudeau has 141 seats, the loss of one by making Jerome speaker will have little meaning. Jerome was born in Kingston, educated there and in Toronto, elected to parliament from Sudbury, and is modestly bilingual. 41 years old last March. He's a Roman Catholic, a lawyer, and the father of four children. He was defeated on his first try at jumping from Sudbury Alderman to Member of Parliament, but since selected three times. Now, the Speaker has authority over the debates in Parliament. He must be obeyed by all members, including the Prime Minister, and as Housekeeper-in-Chief to the actual buildings of Parliament, Senate, and Commons combined. Members of the press gallery must have permission from the speaker to permanently represent their newspapers, radio, or TV stations, and if a member of the gallery or of parliament itself has complaint to make about his quarters, it must be made to the speaker. He is technically protected and guarded by an armed man. The guard carrying a sword is usually an old man who probably wouldn't know what to do with the sword if the speaker was attacked. U.S. President Nixon called a special meeting of his cabinet for 11 this morning, and speculation again that he would announce his resignation was quick. The resignation would be advantageous to the president in many financial ways, but once again he rejected it. There was only a brief announcement after the meeting, and White House aides said in advance it would be routine. The announcement repeated that Nixon will not voluntarily quit, and will have his case, his future life, and his conditions judged by the Constitution of the United States. Whatever evil and wicked things are thought about Richard Nixon, he certainly, in this case, is stubborn and steadfast and apparently durable. At the time the special cabinet session was called, the Dow Index of Stocks in New York jumped a rather spectacular 25 points, but later, when the stick-to-it announcement came, prices sagged back again. Even so, a gain of 13 and one-third points was the best in about a month and the second of this week. Toronto closed yesterday and gained a point and a half today. Speaking of resignations, Gracie Findlay, who's played the principal part in Anne of Green Gables since it opened in Prince Edward Island seven seasons ago, is quitting even though the play has been penciled in for an eighth season. In non-stage life, she's Mrs. Barry Stickings of Montreal, and her husband has been transferred to Germany, where he'll work for the next three years. Kitchener has one of the better amateur stage companies in Ontario, and Mallory Ann Stiller played the part of Ann in their uh, amateur production of that play on two occasions. 
So she's now agreed to replace Gracie as a pro next season. Tomorrow in Montreal, Bill 22, which makes French the only official language in Quebec, will get its first courtroom test in what seems like a time-wasting and money-wasting way. This is one of those chip-on-the-shoulder decisions by Michel Chartrand, a labor leader. There's to be a public inquiry into a fire on a Montreal subway train, and the car where the fire broke out was built in Germany. Carl Packers, a German engineer who speaks German and English but not French, is to be an expert witness, and Chartrand, although he's not a lawyer and is not directly involved in the case, demands to take part and says he will speak only in French, questioning Packers in that tongue. So, it will mean the expense of getting an interpreter from German to French to speak the evidence, whereas all participants, including Chartrand, speak English. It's just possible, however, that the commissioner, Roger Lagarde, will allow the hearing to be in English, as is his privilege under this bill. Chartrand says that in such a case he'll walk out, but since he's not summoned as a witness, is not a plaintiff, and really has no direct involvement with the case, they may say, okay, boy, beat it. A bomb blew up the ticketing area of the Los Angeles uh, airport today, about 8.10 this morning. It was in the overseas section and killed two people. The two people were so badly ripped that they were at first listed as four bodies. Five people were hurt. The bomb had been placed in a luggage locker. In Ireland, another train was hijacked on the main Belfast to Dublin line with warnings that it was filled with bombs. This may have been a lie because there had been no explosion, but the line is tied up as the train sits there. A Laurentian Air Services plane flying between two Quebec spots, bush flying, has been missing since yesterday morning with 10 people aboard, and a bus carrying 48 people has rolled down a mountain near Chilliwack in British Columbia. Only the driver was killed, and he, it seems, might have saved himself if he jumped. But John Lockwood, that driver, stuck at the controls trying to keep control of his machine. Two more of the people who kidnapped one official and murdered another in the Quebec rising uprising of a few years back have been reunited in Paris. I think that's four of them now over there. Jacques and Louise Cossette-Trudel say they are confident of being allowed to return to Montreal unpunished when things simmer down. In air-conditioned rooms at the Royal York, bargainers for the TTC and for the men and women who run the trains, trams, and buses, met separately today as a strike deadline looms for Sunday. Parts of the meeting seemed like a charade. As a sample, the men have 148 things, most of them piddling little nitpicking items that they say they insist upon having changed in the next contract. 148 of them. It seems like baby talk by kids building sand castles to want 148 changes in a contract that was good a couple of years ago and now is no good at all. Despite help by a provincial mediator, both sides are still far apart, and of course that's the usual thing. After the TTC's regular meeting this morning, Chairman Carl Mallette said he feels a walkout can be avoided, and he doesn't expect wildcat strikes in the meantime. The union has asked that a tentative agreement be finished as early as Tuesday night so they can talk it over. However, that's a little 
early for the commission, even though they've been talking about this thing for about six months. Anyhow, a full membership meeting of the union has been called for Sunday. That's the day the strike was supposed to start, and maybe, in fact, it actually will start. <clears throat> Cass Elliott of the Mamas and Papas was known to be greatly overweight, but after the autopsy, which uh, followed her death, it was stated that her weight was 198. Well, this was not a sworn statement. At the inquest, where evidence was under oath, her weight was put at 276, and the heart was surrounded by fat. There was no explanation for the discrepancy of, let me see, 70, 78 pounds, and that is quite a discrepancy. Gosh, we're all run out of time, and I wrote a thing here that's no use tomorrow. It was about things that happened on this date. The armistice ending the War of 1812 was on this date. 1866, Vancouver Island joined British Columbia. 29 years ago, the big bomb on Japan, you know about that. Six years ago today, Toronto had two inches of rain, and a national postal strike was in its 20th day. Four years ago, Toronto had its biggest rock music festival at most ports. Now, you see, I've run over into John Dolan's time, and uh, I'm, I'm not even sorry. Isn't that a terrible admission? Well, how about if we travel to Portland, Maine? And, of course, the station that we're talking about is WJBQ-FM. Now, when I got to hear them back in the 80s, they were a top 40 radio station, 97.9 WJBQ, and they, were, they weren't sounding like they did back in 1979. And at that time, of course, without all the AM and FM translators, you could get a lot of AM stations, that, or FM stations, I should say, and I could hear WJPQ in Albany, New York, on a band opening. So we, let's hear Wally Bryan, who's doing the mornings at WJBQ. And, of course, as we talk about in this feature, his father is the late Salty Brian, who did mornings for many, many years at WPRO AM in Providence, Rhode Island. This week in my Classic Air Check segment, we're traveling to Portland, Maine, and we're going to listen to Wally Bryan on radio station WJBQ-FM. You've heard Wally Bryan before when he worked with Lauren Owens at radio station WROR-FM in Boston, Massachusetts. Wally Bryan comes from a very famous radio family. His father was the great Salty Bryan, who spent many years working at radio station WPRO-AM in Providence, Rhode Island. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy Wally Bryan on radio station WJBQ-FM from April 24th, 1979, on this week's edition of All Things Radio Live. JBQ, there's Eddie Money, and maybe I'm a fool. It's 7.44, 16 before 8. Portland and Bridgeton, here's what we're looking for today. A lot of sunshine this morning. We'll have a few clouds moving in this afternoon. Our high today is supposed to reach 60, although I have a hunch it's going to get above that because it's already 51, and it's very early still. Tonight, light rain, drizzle likely, low down to 45. Tomorrow is going to be occasional rainy day, and our high tomorrow reaching 55. Right now, out at Cape Elizabeth, our temp is standing at 47. In town, Portland, it's 50. From JBQ. With Beechnut.com, you're a Beechnut. JBQ, it's 7.46, 14 before 8. And it's time to play Ellery Queen's Minute Mystery, and you could be the next winner of an FMAM portable radio if you're caller number 7 right now at 775-3439. JBQ with Wally Bryan and the loving spoonful and a uh, little rain on the roof, which we might just have here in a little while. Well, it's now 7.48, 12 before 8, and it's time to play this morning's Ellery Queen Minute Mystery. It's brought to you by Yankee Distributors, distributors of two-board gold. Let's see who our contestant is this morning. Hello. 
Hello. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Thank you. Very good, thank you. What's your name? Uh, Linda DeLong. Linda DeLong. Where are you from, Linda? Uh, Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Okay, Linda, have you been listening to Ellery every day? Yes, quite a few. Okay. Have you been getting many of them right? So-so. Uh, So-so. Okay, that's the same with me. All right, let's see how you do today. Here's okay. this morning's Minute Mystery. Ellery Queen's Minute Mysteries. This is Ellery Queen with the case I call the Sniper's Aim. When a famous diplomat was found shot dead in his study, with both the window and storm window pierced cleanly by a high-powered rifle bullet, the police suspected the murderer was a sniper lodged in a building across the street. When a suspect was found, he claimed he couldn't have been the sniper. Look, he pointed out, the bullet's embedded in the base of the wall. The trajectory of the bullet from the window to the wall proves I didn't do it. You're mistaken, I said. It doesn't matter where the bullet landed. You're guilty of murder. In a moment, I'll tell you why. Who for the gold? Never go for bronze or silver. Live to make the most of every day. Go for the gold. That age-old Danish spirit is the heritage of Tubor Gold. Distributed by Yankee Distributors of Portland. Well, we have Linda DeLong, private investigator on the line here. Linda, what do you think the answer is? Oh, gee, that's a tough one. I know it is. All, we can, all I can think of is that uh, he had to be far away. He'd be um, too far away? To go through the storm window. Okay, let's listen and see what Ellery says. In the case of the sniper's aim, only two points are needed to determine the angle or trajectory of a bullet. You remember the bullet first went through a storm window, then the regular window. That's all I needed to catch the sniper. Listen again to Ellery Queen's Minute Mysteries. Well, Linda, you gave it a good shot, but uh, it wasn't quite good enough. So no. I'll tell you what we got for you. We've got a Frank Mills album, Music Box Dancer. How about that? Oh, fine. Thank okay, you. Linda, thank you very much for calling this morning. We've had Ellery Queen's Minute Mystery brought to you by Yankee Distributors, distributors of two-board gold. And right now we're going to check out the latest news and weather. And with all the info, here's Doug Reynolds. And right now, 53 degrees in town, sunshine today, followed by increasing clouds, though, later on, highs near 60 but a bit cooler on the coast. Light rain or drizzle is likely tonight. Lows in the 40s and some occasional rain tomorrow. Highs in the 50s. Chance of rain is 20% today, 60% tonight, and 80% tomorrow. The next high tide in Portland Harbor, 9.55 this morning. And the in-town Portland temperature, 53 degrees. I'm Doug Reynolds, WJBQ News. Scarborough, AM Westbrook, Portland. Good morning. It's 8 o'clock with Wally Brain. This is where you could win 106 seconds in a bank and all the money you can carry out. This is a story about Billy Joe and Bobby Sue. Yeah, yeah. JBQ with Wally Brain. Good morning. It's now 8.04, 4 past 8. And what a nice day we've got out there for you today. A lot of sunshine followed by increasing cloudiness this afternoon. Our high is supposed to reach 60 today, and with any luck, we might even get up toward the mid-60s. It's about 51 right now in town. Let's take a look at our scoreboard this morning. First of all, in baseball action yesterday, you probably didn't hear the score because it was a late-night game. The Boston Red Sox did it again, five in a row for the Sox. Everybody said, ah, oh, this is going to be the year they're going to be bums again. Wouldn't it be great if they turned everything around and this was the year they went all the way? 
I know that's probably wishful thinking, but I have my hopes up anyway. We are now 10 wins and 4 losses on the season, and yesterday it was a combination of some pretty good pitching and some uh, timely hitting. Yaz hit a two-run homer in the sixth inning, his fourth of the season, and the old man is looking pretty good up there at the plate. Dick Drago blanked Seattle for four and two-thirds innings when he came in in relief. And it was Larry Wolf who was substituting at second base yesterday who knocked in the winning run in the 12th inning. Butch Hobson had singled, Jim Dwyer doubled, moving Butch over to third. And then it was Larry who put it out there in the outfield and Butch scored to win the game. Yankees had another good day and it was Tommy John winning it for them. He tossed a five-hitter for his fourth victory without a loss. The Yankees down Oakland 3-1. to Baltimore, with Ken Singleton hitting two homers, defeated California 7-2. Kansas City over Chicago 5-zip. Cleveland defeated Minnesota 7-2. In the National League, the Phils down the Dodgers 7-6 in 10 innings. Pete Rose hit his first home run as a Philly. New York Mets over San Francisco 10-3. That was Vita Blue's first loss of the season. And the Pirates beat Cincinnati 9-2. And big Dave Parker, who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated last week, he hit his second home run of the year. Boy, he is huge. It's amazing that everything he hits doesn't go over the wall. In baseball action tonight, the Red Sox will be at Seattle again. Jim Wright, coming off the disabled list, is going to get the start tonight. He'll try to pick up his first win of the year. Byron McLaughlin will pitch for Seattle. And the Yankees are at Oakland again. Ed Figueroa will try to win his third. Greg Minetto will be pitching for the Oakland A's tonight. Well, the Maine Mariners made it two in a row over Nova Scotia last night in an action-packed game, which saw some excellent goaltending again by rookie Eves Gilmet. Eves kicked the side 25 shots. Only once did the puck get by him. The final score was 4-1, to one, scoring for Maine, Gordy Clark, Barry Dean, Norm Barnes, and Eves Preston. So, with that 2 to nothing game edge in the best-of-seven series, we head up to Halifax. The next game is Friday night. Want to miss the Mariners the best of luck. Our parent club did not make out quite as well yesterday. The Philly Flyers were defeated rather decisively, I should say, by New York Rangers. 8-3 was the final. Walt Kachuk scored two goals and had two assists, and it was not a very productive night for the Flyers. So they hang up their skates for the summers. The Rangers continue on in the playoffs. They will now face the New York Islanders, and of course the Bruins will play Montreal. That series begins tomorrow night up in the Forum. In NBA play yesterday, Atlanta Hawks fighting for their lives now. They defeated the Washington Bullets last night, 107-103 to hang on. The Washington leads that series three games to two. All they got to do is win one more, and they've put Atlanta away. Haven't been able to do that yet. That series returns to Atlanta tomorrow night. That's where the Hawks are toughest. We'll see how the Bullets do there. Los Angeles takes on Seattle. That game will be tonight. And talking about basketball, the Celtics say they've given up to sign Indiana State star Larry Bird. Bob Wolf is charging Celtics president and general manager Rhett Auerbach with implied threats and intimidation. Oh, come on, Bob. Red? No. Wolf says he's going to meet with the Basketball Players Association today to complain for Bird. Well, so far, things aren't going too smoothly between Red and Bob Wolf. Still a lot of time, though. They could get back together again before too long. For Dr. Pepper, here's Loretta Lynn. Lately, Saturday nights at the Eastland in town have been a very special night with all drinks priced at less than a dollar. A very special night indeed. Well, this week, that special night has been moved. Moved to Thursday, which means it's a great chance for you to get back to the Eastland. Not just one, but two great night spots. The top of the East. Comfort and elegance high atop Portland. A super place to relax with friends. Featuring Larry Irwin this Thursday for your entertainment pleasure. And the stakeout. The setting that redefines the terms excitement and good times. This Thursday presenting Susan Laney. Two night spots, different as night and day, both under the same roof, only in elevators right apart. But this Thursday, the special goes on at both. 
All drinks under a dollar all night long. Don't forget, that's this Thursday at the Eastland in town on High Street. So easy to get to, so easy to like. A Thursday night special at both the Top of the East and the Stakeout at the Eastland. Coming back strong. It's 8-10, 10 past 8 at JBQ. Tonight I'm gonna break away JBQ, there's Pogo and Crazy Love from the LP Legend. Good morning, it's 8-13, 13 past 8. This is National Secretary's Week. My hat is off to all you who take care of the business at hand at work. It's a tough job, and I know it, and I think your boss knows it, too. Uh, I understand a lot of people have been given flowers this week, chocolates, uh, taken out to lunch and dinner. And I did want to mention one thing that I think that uh, we should do here. This is a little special thing, and... Uh, what I'd like to do is to have your boss. Now, you can whisper in his ear and tell him about this. Uh, tell him to drop your name in a post, in, a, in an envelope, your name, where you work, and your home phone number. And send it along to me, Wally Bryan, care of WJBQ, Warren Avenue, Portland. And then we will uh, pick from that group, and we'll take one of you out to lunch. How's that sound? You and a date can go out to lunch with uh, myself, and I'll pay the way. What a sport, huh? And it'll be really nice. Maybe even buy a bottle of champagne to go along with lunch. Does that sound nice? All right. Wally Bryan, WJBQ, Portland, Maine. Have your boss send me your name, address, and your home phone number. And we may be calling you very soon and congratulating you. We're going to make a drawing at random. Nothing special. You know, and we'll take somebody out to lunch. I think that'd be nice. How do you like that? Does that sound all right? Okay. For Portland and Buxton, sunshine today, followed by increasing clouds. Our high is going to reach 60. Light rain or drizzle likely tonight, low down to 45, and tomorrow occasional rain and a high of 55. Currently out at Gorham, our morning temp is standing at 49. In town, Portland, it's 50 from JBQ. For Dr. Pepper, here's Bonnie Tyler. JBQ with Wally Bryan. Good morning. It's 816, 16 past 8. A lot of sunshine for you today. We've got a clue coming up for you in just a second. Don't go away. No Write that down. Two, two, huh? Number two. I remember that. Let two. me write that down. All right. Okay. Two. All right. It's now 8.20, 20 past 8 with Wally Bryan. Of course, that doesn't do us any good, you know. Oh, I'm planning on winning this. Oh, you are? Yes. I want the 106 seconds in the bank with all the money you can carry out. Hey, you know, I'm going to be doing the play-by-play. -play you are? On that, as a matter of fact. Are yes. you really? The lucky person that gets to run through that bank vault, I will be there with my microphone, and, and <laughs> we will be... Uh, Doing this live, play-by-play, -play of this person going nuts. That's going to be when fun. When they run through the... I mean, this is something you have to experience. You just have to see this to believe this. Can I you can't imagine... Ima no, I can't. Yeah. I can't imagine being able to... Uh, okay, here you go. There's the money. Take all you want. Take what you want. Wow. <laughs> oh, boy. I would wear the baggiest pants I could that day. The largest coat, and I could just stuff everything right in the pants and inside the coat and everything. There's a rule here that if you work for the radio station, you don't get to play. So I'm planning to quit the day before <laughs> this thing so that I can uh, run in that bank. All right, with the latest news and weather, here's Doug Reynolds. Well, there you go. Memories of Portland, Maine Radio from April 25th, 1979. And the radio announcer, Wally Bryan, the radio station WJBQ-FM. Now, if you have any comments concerning this part of the program 
or if there's a classic air check that you'd like me to present, I'll try to get it on for you. What it let me know about it by email or voicemail. For All Things Radio Live, I'm Jeff Bennett. How about if we do our featured station? And it really sounds just like all the other radio stations these days. Unfortunately, it's a variety hits <laughs> format station. Yeah, well, you know what it is, Bernie. <laughs> I you, know. What can you do? You can't change it. Wow. So let's get no. to here. WYNZFM, owned and operated by Saga Communications with their variety hits format. This week in my classic air check segment, we're traveling to Portland, Maine, and we're going to listen to Wally Bryan on radio station WJBQFM. You've heard Wally Bryan before when he worked with Lauren Owens at radio station WROR-FM in Boston, Massachusetts. Wally Bryan comes from a very famous radio family. His father was the great Salty Bryan, who spent many years working at radio station WPRO-AM in Providence, Rhode Island. So without further ado... Sit back and enjoy Wally Bryan on radio station WJBQ-FM from April 24th, 1979 on this week's edition of All Things Radio Live. JBQ, there's Eddie Money, and maybe I'm a fool. It's 744, 16 before 8. Portland and Bridgeton, here's who we're looking for today. A lot of sunshine this morning. We'll have a few clouds moving in this afternoon. Our high today is supposed to reach 60, although I have a hunch it's going to get above that because it's already 51, and it's very early still. Tonight, light rain, drizzle likely, low down to 45. Tomorrow is going to be occasional rainy day, and our high tomorrow reaching 55. Right now, out at Cape Elizabeth, our temp is standing at 47. In town Portland, it's 50 from JBQ. With peach nut gum, you're a peach nut. JBQ, it's 7.46, 14 before 8, and it's time to play Ellery Queen's Minute Mystery, and you could be the next winner of an FMAM portable radio if you're caller number 7 right now at 775-3439. JBQ with Wally Bryan and the Lovin' Spoonful, and a uh, little rain on the roof, which we might just have here in a little while. Well, it's now 7.48, 12 before 8, and it's time to play this morning's Ellery Queen Minute Mystery. It's brought to you by Yankee Distributors, distributors of two-board gold. Let's see who our contestant is this morning. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Thank you. Very good, thank you. What's your name? Uh, Linda DeLong. Linda DeLong. Where are you from, Linda? Uh, Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Okay, Linda, have you been listening to Ellery every day? Yes, quite a few. Okay. Have you been getting many of them right? Uh, so-so. So-so. Okay, that's the same with me. All right, let's see how you do today. Here's okay. this morning's Minute Mystery. Ellery Queen's Minute Mysteries. This is Ellery Queen with the case I call the Sniper's Aim. When a famous diplomat was found shot dead in his study, with both the window and storm window pierced cleanly by a high-powered rifle bullet, the police suspected the murderer was a sniper lodged in a building across the street. When a suspect was found, he claimed he couldn't have been the sniper. Look, he pointed out, the bullet's embedded in the base of the wall. The trajectory of the bullet from the window to the wall proves I didn't do it. You're mistaken, I said. It doesn't matter where the bullet landed. You're guilty of murder. In a moment, I'll tell you why. Who for the gold? Never go for bronze or silver. Live to make the most of every day. Go for the gold. That age-old Danish spirit is the heritage of Tubor Gold. Distributed by Yankee Distributors of Portland. Well, we have Linda DeLong, private investigator, on the line here. Linda, what do you think the answer is? Oh, gee, that's a tough one. I know it is. All, we can, all I can think of is that uh, he had to be far away. He'd be um, too far away? To go through the storm window. Okay, let's listen and see what Ellery says. In the case of the sniper's aim, only two points are needed to determine the angle or trajectory of a bullet. You remember the bullet first went through a storm window, then the regular window. 
That's all I needed to catch the sniper. Listen again to Ellery Queen's Minute Mysteries. Well, Linda, you gave it a good shot, but uh, it wasn't quite good enough. So I'll tell you what we got for you. We've got a Frank Mills album, Music Box Dancer. How about that? Oh, fine. Okay, Linda, thank you very much for calling this morning. We've had Ellery Queen's Minute Mystery brought to you by Yankee Distributors, distributors of two-board gold. And right now we're going to check out the latest news and weather. And with all the info, here's Doug Reynolds. And right now, 53 degrees in town, sunshine today, followed by increasing clouds, though, later on, highs near 60. But a bit cooler on the coast. Light rain or drizzle is likely tonight. Lows in the 40s and some occasional rain tomorrow. Highs in the 50s. Chance of rain is 20% today, 60% tonight, and 80% tomorrow. The next high tide in Portland Harbor, 9:55 this morning, and the in-town Portland temperature, 53 degrees. I'm Doug Reynolds, WJBQ News. Scarborough, AM Westbrook, Portland. Good morning. It's 8 o'clock with Wally Brime. This is where you could win 106 seconds in a bank and all the money you can carry out. This is a story about Mrs. Jones, woman Bobby Sue. Yeah! Yeah! JBQ with Wally Brine. Good morning. It's now 8.04, 4 past 8. And what a nice day we've got out there for you today. A lot of sunshine. Followed by increasing cloudiness this afternoon. Our high is supposed to reach 60 today. And with any luck, we might even get up toward the mid-60s. It's about 51 right now in town. Let's take a look at our scoreboard this morning. First of all, in baseball action yesterday, you probably didn't hear the score because it was a late-night game. The Boston Red Sox did it again. Five in a row for the Sox. Everybody said, ah, oh, this is going to be the year they're going to be bums again. Wouldn't it be great if they turned everything around and this was the year they went all away? I know that's probably wishful thinking, but I have my hopes up anyway. We are now 10 wins and 4 losses on the season. And yesterday, it was a combination of some pretty good pitching and some uh, timely hitting. Yaz hit a two-run homer in the sixth inning, his fourth of the season. And the old man is looking pretty good up there at the plate. Dick Drago blanked Seattle for four and two-thirds innings when he came in in relief. And it was Larry Wolf who was substituting at second base yesterday who knocked in the winning run in the 12th inning. Butch Hobson had singled, Jim Dwyer doubled, moving Butch over to third. And then it was Larry who put it out there in the outfield and Butch scored to win the game. Yankees had another good day and it was Tommy John winning it for them. He tossed a five-hitter for his fourth victory without a loss. The Yankees down Oakland 3-1. to Baltimore, with Ken Singleton hitting two homers, defeated California 7-2. Kansas City over Chicago 5-zip. Cleveland defeated Minnesota 7-2. In the National League, the Phils down the Dodgers 7-6 in 10 innings. Pete Rose hit his first home run as a Philly. New York Mets over San Francisco 10-3. That was Vita Blue's first loss of the season. And the Pirates beat Cincinnati 9-2. And Big Dave Parker, who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated last week, he hit his second home run of the year. Boy, he is huge. It's amazing that everything he hits doesn't go over the wall. In baseball action tonight, the Red Sox will be at Seattle again. Jim Wright, coming off the disabled list, is going to get the start tonight. He'll try to pick up his first win of the year. Byron McLaughlin will pitch for Seattle. And the Yankees are at Oakland again. Ed Figueroa will try to win his third. Greg Minetto will be pitching for the Oakland A's tonight. Well, the Maine Mariners made it two in a row over Nova Scotia last night in an action-packed game which saw some excellent goaltending again by rookie Eves Gilmet. Eves kicked the side 25 shots. Only once did the puck get by him. The final score was 4-1, to one, scoring for Maine, Gordy Clark, Barry Dean, Norm Barnes, and Eves Preston. So with that 2 to nothing game edge in the best-of-seven series, we head up to Halifax. The next game is Friday night. Want to wish the Mariners the best of luck. Our parent club did not make out quite as well yesterday. The Philly Flyers were defeated... 
rather decisively, I should say, by New York Rangers. 8-3 was the final. Walt Kachuk scored two goals and had two assists, and it was not a very productive night for the Flyers. So they hang up their skates for the summers. The Rangers continue on in the playoffs. They will now face the New York Islanders, and of course the Bruins will play Montreal. That series begins tomorrow night up in the Forum. In NBA play yesterday, Atlanta Hawks fighting for their lives now. They defeated the Washington Bullets last night, 107-103, to hang on. The Washington leads that series three games to two. All they got to do is win one more, and they've put Atlanta away. Haven't been able to do that yet. That series returns to Atlanta tomorrow night. That's where the Hawks are toughest. We'll see how the Bullets do there. Los Angeles takes on Seattle. That game will be tonight. And talking about basketball, the Celtics say they've given up to sign Indiana State star Larry Bird. Bob Wolf is charging Celtics president and general manager Rhett Auerbach with implied threats and intimidation. Oh, come on, Bob. Red? No. Wolf says he's going to meet with the Basketball Players Association today to complain for Bird. Well, so far, things aren't going too smoothly between Red and Bob Wolf. Still a lot of time, though. They could get back together again before too long. For Dr. Pepper, here's Loretta Lynn. Lately, Saturday nights at the Eastland in town have been a very special night with all drinks priced at less than a dollar. A very special night indeed. Well, this week, that special night has been moved. Moved to Thursday, which means it's a great chance for you to get back to the Eastland. Not just one, but two great night spots. The top of the East. Comfort and elegance high atop Portland. A super place to relax with friends. Featuring Larry Irwin this Thursday for your entertainment pleasure. And the stakeout. The rustic setting that redefines the terms excitement and good times. This Thursday presenting Susan Laney. Two night spots, different as night and day, both under the same roof. Only an elevator's right apart. But this Thursday, the special goes on at both. All drinks under a dollar all night long. Don't forget, that's this Thursday at the Eastland in town on High Street. So easy to get to, so easy to like. A Thursday night special at both the Top of the East and the Stakeout at the Eastland. Coming back strong. It's 810, 10 past 8 at JBQ. Tonight I'm gonna break away. JBQ, there's Pogo and Crazy Love from the LP Legend. Good morning, it's 8.13, 13 past 8. This is National Secretary's Week. My hat is off to all you who take care of the business at hand at work. It's a tough job, and I know it, and I think your boss knows it, too. Uh, I understand a lot of people have been given flowers this week, chocolates, uh, taken out to lunch and dinner. And I did want to mention one thing that I think that uh, we should do here. This is a little special thing, and... Uh, what I'd like to do is to have your boss. Now, you can whisper in his ear and tell him about this. Uh, tell him to drop your name in a post, in, a, in an envelope, your name, where you work, and your home phone number. And send it along to me, Wally Bryan, care of WJBQ, Warren Avenue, Portland. And then we will uh, pick from that group and we'll take one of you out to lunch. How's that sound? You and a date can go out to lunch with uh, myself and I'll pay the way. What a sport, huh? And it'll be really nice. Maybe even buy a bottle of champagne to go along with lunch. Does that sound nice? All right. Wally Bryan, WJBQ, Portland, Maine. Have your boss send me your name, address, and your home phone number. And we may be calling you very soon and congratulating you. We're going to make a drawing at random. Nothing special. You know, and we'll take somebody out to lunch. I think that'd be nice. How do you like that? Does that sound all right? 
Okay, for Portland and Buxton, sunshine today, followed by increasing clouds. Our high is going to reach 60. Light rain or drizzle likely tonight, low down to 45. And tomorrow, occasional rain and a high of 55. Currently out at Gorham, our morning temp is standing at 49. In town, Portland, it's 50 from JBQ. For Dr. Pepper, here's Bonnie Tyler. JBQ with Wally Bryan. Good morning. It's 816, 16 past 8. A lot of sunshine for you today. We've got a clue coming up for you in just a second. Don't go away. No Write that down. Two, two, huh? Number two. I'll remember that. Let two. me write that down. All right. Okay. Two. All right. It's now 8.20, 20 past 8 with Wally Bryan. Of course, that doesn't do us any good, you know. Oh, I'm planning on winning this. Oh, you are? Yes. I want the 106 seconds in the bank with all the money you can carry out. Hey, you know, I'm going to be doing the play-by-play. -play you are? On that, as a matter of fact. Are yes. you really? The lucky person that gets to run through that bank vault, I will be there with my microphone, and, <laughs> and we will be... Uh, Doing this live, play-by-play, -play of this person going nuts. That's going to be when fun. They run through the... I mean, this is something you have to experience. You just have to see this to believe this. Can I can't imagine... No, I can't. Yeah. I can't imagine being able to... Uh, okay, here you go. There's the money. Take all you want. Take what you want. Wow. <laughs> oh, boy. I would wear the baggiest pants I could that day. The largest coat, and I could just stuff everything right in the pants and inside the coat and everything. There's a rule here that if you work for the radio station, you don't get to play. So I'm planning to quit the day before <laughs> this thing so that I can uh, run in that bank. All right, with the latest news and weather, here's Doug Reynolds. Well, there you go. Memories of Portland, Maine Radio from April 25th, 1979. And the radio announcer, Wally Bryan, the radio station WJBQ-FM. Now, if you have any comments concerning this part of the program, or if there's a classic air check that you'd like me to present, I'll try to get it on for you. Why don't let me know about it by email or voicemail. For All Things Radio Live, I'm Jeff Bennett. This concludes another All Things Radio Live. Join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern for the latest radio news, interviews, caller questions and comments, station scopes, and more. Visit the show's official website at www.allthingsradio.net and visit the Legend website at legendoldies.com. Join us again next week for another All Things Radio Live on the Worldwide Legend.